Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. to the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast with your host, Nick Bat. Sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. And Bruce Nolan. I once worked with a guy for three years and never learned his name. Best friend I ever had. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nick Bat. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. Along with me, as always, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. So now that we've given you guys our thoughts about the actual outcome of the draft and the things that the Bills did, it's time to take our medicine. It is time for a reckoning. There were many, many things said and many predictions made on all of the numerous Buffalo Bills podcasts out there, and we are going to bring it home and own up to the things that mostly Bruce said and either got right or got wrong. Wrong. It'll be sweet. It'll be this will be drinking some nice tea, right Bruce? Yeah, I, the benefit to not ever having a take on the draft like you is you don't have to deal with this afterwards. <laughs> it is a sweet sweet benefit. I'm just over here drinking my Lipton tea in the sunlight, so it's a uh, it's a beautiful thing. I don't even know what you have. So do you want to go through the thing? Let's go through the things you got right, I guess, right? Uh, whatever you want. We can alternate. What you got right, what you got wrong. Let's start with some of the things that you got right. What are some of the biggest things that you got right? Well, I got the first three picks of the draft right. And I know that that's not necessarily a huge thing because I think we all, a lot of us thought Burrow, Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda was going to be top three. But toward the the end of it, it, there started to be some question about whether or not Detroit was going to trade out, whether or not they were going to take Derek Brown instead at three. There started to get some uh, shakiness, whether or not they take CJ Henderson instead of Jeff Okuda. Heard that one before the draft. So there was some shakiness at pick number three, and there was a little bit of shakiness at pick number one to see if Miami was going to make a move for Joe Burrow. But I nailed the first three picks. So as much as a low hanging fruit as that is, I'm still going to take credit. Ball's not going to spike itself. Okay. Ball's not going to spike itself. (laughs) Let's go on to a couple of things that are maybe more substantive. What else did you get right? Well, Minnesota taking Jeff Gladney was something that I got. Now, they took him in a different spot, but I knew that Jeff, that, that, that Gladney would be somebody who Mike Zimmer would really, really like. And I got that right. In addition, the Titans loving Isaiah Wilson. I talked about on my mock draft podcast I did solo that the Titans, it was hard for me to imagine the Titans not loving Isaiah Wilson based around how they're building that team. Play action, 
passing game, downhill running game with Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill getting to the second level with his throws over top the linebackers from the play action stuff with his back to the defense from under center. This is Isaiah Wilson's game. This is a power right tackle. And I said, the Titans are going to love him. And I was right. They did. The Patriots trading out of the first round and not taking a quarterback was another one that I got that a lot of people didn't get. Not taking a quarterback high in the draft and passing on Jordan Love. I had them passing on Jordan Love. They passed on Jordan Love in real life. I said that my my line of thinking behind that was that if the Patriots have a terrible year, nobody gets fired. So there's no rush for them to get the quarterback this year because if Jared Stidham is good, then great. If Jared Stidham is bad, then they have a terrible year and they pick high next year and they have a better chance at letting a better quarterback. So I was, I was feeling confident that the Patriots would pass on a high quarterback this year, and they did. So that's something else that I got right. Let's start to uh, pepper in some of the some of the alternate things. Give me something that uh, was a swing and a miss. Tua and Herbert, I had going five and six, so I got that, but I got them swapped. Swings and misses. I had Tua going six to the Chargers. And I had Herbert going five to the to the uh, Dolphins. That ended up being inversed. So the Dolphins took Tua, and then the Chargers stepped up and took Herbert. So I had it right, but I had it wrong because I was I had heard a lot of smoke about the Dolphins and Herbert, and it turned out it was just that it was a smoke screen. They ended up picking getting Tua, the man they wanted the whole time. And Chargers, we don't know whether or not they wanted Tua or Herbert because we know who they picked but we don't know who they necessarily had rated over the other players. So I missed on that one. Those are two players who were taken in the right spots, but I got them backwards. And additionally, my biggest miss in the top 10 probably was the Giants taking a tackle. The Giants took a tackle at number four with Andrew Thomas. I had looked at Dave Gettleman's draft history and said, yes, he likes the hog mollies, but he doesn't necessarily always take them high. He's not a high pick on a tackle kind of guy. He loves freak athletes. He comes from an organization that was led by Luke Keekley. I thought Isaiah Simmons was an absolute slam dunk there. That was wrong. Ah, happens to the best of us. Okay, let's give yourself a little bit of props here. What else did Bruce get right? The Seahawks staying put. I think I get I think I should get a lot of credit for this one because the Seahawks literally never stay put. So I think it's something like eight years in a row where John Snyder has traded out of his first round pick. And every year I think maybe, maybe this is the year that he stays put. And I said, Nope, I'm putting my flag down. This is the year he stays put. I actually got in a big argument with a Seahawks fan on Twitter about this because I said, it's completely impossible for him to trade down forever. Like the law of large numbers tells you eventually he's not going to do that. Eventually it will normalize and he will not do that. And this guy kept telling me, no, that's the behavior. And until he does something else, then that's the behavior. I said, well, it takes two to tango. You can't always trade down. That's not always an option. And so eventually he's not going to be able to trade down. This was one of those times and he stayed put. He took a player I thought was a reach, but he definitely stayed put. So John Snyder not trading out might have been my biggest win of the draft because I predicted him to stay put, which basically he never does. Okay. What else? So love falling into the 20s and getting picked with a trade up. I had it going to the Colts, but 
He did fall into the 20s. He did get picked with a trade up. It happened to be the Packers. So again, a lot of this stuff is not necessarily black or white. It's gray. It's not necessarily you get right or wrong. It's how how partial was your credit in this case? So in this case, partially right, partially wrong. Got the wrong team, had the right idea. Because I looked at the the board and said, you know, I don't I don't think that a lot of those teams in the middle of the first round are going to get a quarterback. But I know that people value the fifth year option quarterbacks probably more than they likely should. So as you get closer to that, you get that Lamar Jackson syndrome where you want to make sure you take this quarterback with a first round pick. So you get the fifth year option. So I thought that there was a probability of Jordan Love being able to pick be picked in the 20s with a trade up. I had it wrong. I thought it was Indianapolis, but it was Green Bay and that ended up being happening. Now, the wrong side of that was that another trade up that I thought was going to happen didn't happen, which was the Falcons. I thought the Falcons were going to trade up. I thought that they were really, really set on making sure the defensive line was stronger. And I, when I in my mock draft had two defensive tackles going in the top 10, the Falcons were like, oh, crap, I got to get up and get Clavon Chase on. They traded up from 16 to 10 with the Browns and they got Clavon Chase on. That did not happen. The Falcons were not nearly as aggressive as I thought they were going to be. So on one hand, I got the trade-up parameters kind of right. On the other hand, absolutely swing and a miss. Just a bit outside. What about something a little more close to home for the Bills? So AFC East stuff. Did you get anything that was particularly right or wrong about what you thought was going to happen in the AFC East? So I had the Dolphins going quarterback tackle with their first two picks. Now, I had the quarterback and the tackle wrong, but I had the positions. I had the positions right. I also had them going defensive back with their third pick. So actually, I had the three positions right for their first round picks. The players were wrong, but the positions were right. With the Bills, I specifically said in my mock draft, I had one cornerback going to the Bills, and it was in the seventh round. And that's exactly what they did. They took one corner in the seventh round. And I specifically said, I don't think they're as concerned as I am about this. I think that they'll take a flyer on somebody in the seventh who they think can come in and contribute at the bottom of the depth chart, try for special teams, do things like that. And that's exactly what they did. They got somebody at the bottom of the depth chart in the seventh round who is really not a threat at this point to be in the CB2 conversation. And that's what they did. So the Dolphins, I got something kind of right with the uh, with the positions, but wrong with the players. And then with the Bills, totally nailed it because the Bills did not believe that they needed to take a CB2 high in this draft. With the Patriots, we already talked about that as in regards to, I thought they'd pass on a quarterback and they did. The Jets did way better than I thought they were going to do. Um, I'm just really disappointed in how well the Jets did in their draft. I really, really liked what the Jets did in the draft and it, it kind of bummed me out. So that was my general AFC East kind of theory. All right. Well, before we go on and keep going through all of these different things that we got right and wrong, We're going to take a quick break. We will come back and continue with the reckoning of things that we got correct and things that we got not so correct. Stick with us. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. Those with ambitious, out-of-reach ideas begging to become real solutions. They share a vision for how our world and our lives can thrive when bold thinking meets strong silicon. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy through the power of supercomputing. They dream of trust and privacy for all, of advancing and expanding education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to build something better, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. 
Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nick Bat. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. And I'm Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. All right, let's jump back in and go through some of the things that we got right and wrong. Mistakes were made, and I'm frankly not happy about them. There's one thing I will jump in on this, and it is something that I think everybody got wrong, and myself included, and I, I blame myself. I, 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 I chastise myself for not sticking to my guns because initially, when the Bills signed Josh Norman, I thought that it was something where we were giving him $6 million, Kevin Johnson got three and a half from Cleveland. So obviously, if we were willing to spend that amount of money on the position, we had the opportunity to do it with a guy who was already here and has a higher athletic profile in Kevin Johnson versus Josh Norman. Now, some people are going to say Josh Norman didn't, or some people are going to say Kevin Johnson didn't play that well, whatever. Uh, irregardless, this is this is where my head's at here. The Bills signed Josh Norman to money that was more than what they had previously been investing in the CB2 position. And we should have known, I think, right then and there that the Bills were comfortable with that. And then they added EJ Gaines as sort of this, well, I guess we should have a little something as a backup plan, right? So it's Levi Wallace, EJ Gaines, and Josh Norman all competing for the CB2 position. And ultimately, the Bills are obviously comfortable with that. They didn't do anything substantive outside of a seventh-round pick to bring in any additional cornerback help. And for so long, we have been talking about, everybody has been talking about how CB2 is a part, is something the Bills want to address. It's something the Bills need to address. It's an area of need. And I just, I I, I thought early on that it was a foregone conclusion that that's who, that, that the Bills liked that arrangement. And I was... Totally given into peer pressure. So this is a swing and a miss, swing and a miss for Nick. Gave into peer pressure and began to buy into the idea that the Bills want to. They are planning on. They are they are thinking about addressing CB two in the draft with a significant piece of capital, like a second or third round pick, maybe a fourth round pick. Now we don't know that that we don't know what the board looks like. So we don't know how seriously maybe the bills were considering it and it just didn't work out. Right. So, I mean, that's the other part of this that we don't really know. Maybe one of the guesses that you have are exactly right, but it didn't go that way because somebody else messed it up. Not because you guessed wrong about the motivations of any particular team. So, you know, Brandon Bean said that he wanted to trade up in day three and he couldn't get somebody because they got selected right before he could. Maybe it was a corner. Who knows? Maybe it was Bryce Hall, but in general, I think that all of Bills Mafia had a huge swing and a miss thinking that the Bills were as concerned about CB2 as fans are. How about new? Yeah, that one I got right because I openly said, this is what I would do. This is what I would do. I would take a corner. I would take a corner. I would take a corner. And then when the time came down for me to be predictive, I put it down on paper and I said, I don't think the Bills are as concerned about CB2 as I am. I put it in ink. I wrote it in stone. I, I did whatever you want to say, Nick, as far <laughs> as the permanence goes. Long time NNN listeners will appreciate that joke. But I didn't think it was going to be a problem. So I, I, want, I want a little bit of credit for that one because I totally got it right. Um, There's a couple of players with the Bills that I got the players wrong, but I got the positions right. So the first two picks in my mock draft I had being running back and edge rusher. The first two picks were running back and edge rusher. Now, the players weren't right. 
Again, it was AJ Epinesa and Zach Moss. I had it being Cam Akers and Curtis Weaver. Holy crap, Curtis Weaver, huge swing and a miss. Swings and misses. I thought Curtis Weaver was going to be a second round pick or a third round pick, at least a day two guy. And he went in the sixth. So yeah, that's a huge swing and a miss while we're talking about that. A couple of players that I ended up getting right. Justin Matabuke to the Ravens got that right. Grant Delpit to Cleveland. I had the Bills passing on J.K. Dobbins, and they did. I just said, I don't think that I think the Bills are going to value other players higher than J.K. Dobbins. I actually had J.K. Dobbins as the fourth, uh, the fifth running back off of the board, even though he was my RB1. I had him as the fifth running back off the board in my mock draft, and he was, in fact, the fifth running back off the board. So that was right. I got some couple of positions right. The Bucks going tackle, the Browns going tackle, the Eagles going wide receiver, the Chiefs going running back, things like that. But the trouble is when you get one of the players wrong, it snowballs on you because then that player is not going to be drafted by one of the players. Every time you get one wrong, you by definition get it too wrong. And so it starts to kind of snowball on you that way. Now, in regards to some of the things I got really, really wrong, the Seahawks taking Brooks was a little bit outside my comfort level. Just a bit outside. I thought Brooks was a midday two guy. They took him mid-round one. That was interesting, for sure. The Cowboys taking Ruiz. I knew the Cowboys wanted a center, and people fought me on that. There were some bunch of things. No, they're not going to take a center. They're really comfortable with these people. I knew they wanted a center. I just had it wrong because I had them picking him in the first round. Then CeeDee Lamb falls to him. I'm like, of course, I'm going to get this wrong. They're going to take CeeDee Lamb. But then they traded up and got Tyler Biadash on, on day three. And they did trade up and get a center. They did want a center. Um, I had interior offensive line as being something the Bills were going to do. And they they didn't do it. Whoopsie daisy. I'm a couple of players who were way, way lower than way I had him picked. Uh, Prince Teguanaho, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I thought was a day two guy, got picked in the sixth. Curtis Weaver, we already talked about. Bryce Hall was famously falling, and people were like, what's going on with that? We need to take a second to talk about Green Bay, Nick. I have no clue what Green Bay was doing. Like, none. Green Bay, if you like Jordan Love, you're okay with this. If you don't like Jordan Love, this is one of the worst drafts you've ever seen. A.J. Dillon as a second-round pick was um, absurd. That was obscene. Then they took a fullback, you know, basically a, an H-back prospect. I like Josiah DeGuara. You you remember me talking about how much I liked him, but not as a third-round pick. And they got zero receivers in one of the best receiver drafts in recent memory. It was it was just the, the Packers. I, I, I just put... In Bruce got wrong column here, I literally just have Green Bay in all caps. Just Green Bay. Nothing specific, just the entire organization. I got the entire organization wrong, Nick. That's how badly I got it wrong. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Yeah. Yeah, I, I Green Bay is... Yeah, Green Bay. I would love, I, I said this, I was in a Zoom chat with Nate Geary and Marcel Louis-Jacques and a bunch of people the night of round one. And I said that I don't want to see any of the prospects living rooms right now. I want to see Aaron Rodgers living room whenever love got <laughs> picked. 
because that is, I mean, I feel bad for Jordan Love. I feel horrible for him because he's going to a QB room where it's going to be so filled with animosity and zero help and encouragement. I hope he's ready for it because it's it's a certain kind of person that's going to succeed in that situation. You wonder if that went into the scouting of Jordan Love. Like if you're Green Bay and you know the scenario that you're in as a team, did you scout the mental makeup of Jordan Love specifically knowing that you weren't going to get a very helpful quarterback in Aaron Rodgers? I wonder if that's part of the evaluation. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's just such it's such a crazy dynamic for what things are going to be like there. And there's rumors about LeFleur and Rodgers don't get on. Well, if they got on before, they probably don't get on now. So it, it's just I, – I can't – I'm so curious to see what that powder keg is going to ultimately wind up being like. And the first couple of times that Rogers talks to the media and he's going to be asked these questions over and over and over again about the the change and the dynamic and how he's going to handle it. And it's just crazy, crazy incendiary. I, I'm very interested to see how it goes. Another player that I think a lot of people were high on that didn't end up getting drafted at all was Thaddeus Moss. I mentioned to you, when we talked about the tight end, how weird this class was because there weren't any dynamic players in the class. And Bryson Hopkins was my tight end one. He went to the Rams, but you know, people had Thaddeus Moss as their tight end one. People like Cole Komet as their tight end one. People had, you know, Josiah DeGuara as tight end three. I mean, all sorts of weird things. And Thaddeus Moss, it looks like the NFL agreed with me on Thaddeus Moss, which is that he doesn't offer you anything against man coverage at all because he's not going to be able to separate against man coverage. He has really good hands, but that, you know, if you're really, really slow, it doesn't really matter if you have really good hands. And Thaddeus Moss is going to end up being a, a, you know, a Lee Smith with better hands as an NFL prospect. And I'm hoping he has a chance to catch on somewhere because I think he has skill set to be a rosterable tight end, but there's really no upside there from a dynamic separation ability. So Thaddeus Moss was one of those ones where I thought he was going to get drafted for sure. So I'm going to put that on a Bruce got wrong, but the NFL agreed with me on the, the lack of upside with him. They just took it even farther than I did and thought he was undraftable. I did not think he was undraftable. Um, I thought there was, I think there's a role in the NFL for people like Thaddeus Moss. I just don't think it's a high pick and uh, NFL disagreed with me. They thought no pick is better than a uh, pick on Thaddeus Moss. So that was uh, that was definitely a swing and a miss for more for me for sure. Swung out and missed. One of the things that I I did want to make sure that that I wanted to get done in my mock draft was I wanted the Bills to draft a different dynamic of receiver, and for me it was Jawan Jennings later in the draft get a physical dynamic player. Now I, I knew they wanted something different. I picked a yak guy is what I picked in my mock draft. But they decided to do something different. They decided to go with a boundary, vertical, route tree limited player in Gabriel. And then they got Isaiah Hodgins in the sixth, who we talked about potentially being a potential big slot candidate for them as far as the size goes. So I knew they wanted a different dynamic, but completely missed on the player for sure. And... I thought they were might maybe go a little yak because their current receivers don't offer them a big physical player you can generate offense with. You can't throw a quick bubble screen to a big physical guy and have him break a tackle or two and take it for 15 yards. We don't have a player like that. And so I thought they would want a different dynamic to the receiver room, but I got the dynamic wrong. So that's something else I got wrong. I saw that 
going differently in my mind. Is there anything that you would say that we learned about Brandon Bean in this draft that we didn't know as of yet? I mean, we're still sort of in the data gathering portion of his of his time with the Bills where we're learning about who he is and all that. But, you know, he didn't trade. That was probably something we all got wrong, right? The Bills didn't trade yeah. at all. So did, is there anything else that you would say big picture we learned about Brandon Bean and about the Bills front office that we didn't learn previously or that we didn't that we didn't know previously? Brandon Bean's a lot more flexible, I think, than we gave him credit for. Uh, he, he, he wants to be aggressive, but he doesn't have to be. He wants to do certain things, but he's open to the possibility of doing different things if the board doesn't fall the way that he likes. In addition, he's aggressive, but he's not insane. So trying to trade up to pick number 33 to grab a player that they really liked would have been insane because you would have had to have trade the vast majority of your draft capital to do it. So that's good. Brandon B. flat out said, I didn't, I didn't even try to trade up from our pick at 54. And that's good. That means, yes, he's aggressive. But you and I have talked about this before. There is a difference between aggressiveness and recklessness. And I think we can feel comfortable knowing that he is aggressive, but he's not insane. He's not reckless. He's not going to do things that are stupid in the name of getting one player. He's not going to get tunnel vision about one particular player and just throw caution to the wind, which I think is a good trait. So I think that's a positive added attribute to our dossier on Brandon B. All right. Well, I think that that will that'll do it for us. I think we we've we've gone through and we've given people plenty of information of things that we were right and wrong. But you know, like you said, with with the draft, I mean, there's occasionally some things that are kind of that are kind of sexy rights and sexy wrongs. But a lot of it is. It's everything is so interconnected. When one thing changes, you get one minor thing wrong. It's impossible to get everything else correct. And then you start getting into all these different degrees of right and wrong. Yeah, it's one of those scenarios where it's a little bit like dominoes. You know, if one of them sets off wrong, it can mess up the entire thing. And I think that this is a good way to put a bow on draft season. You know, after all of the pieces are fitting together now, this is a good way to kind of wrap up draft season. I anticipate that our next couple pods will be more about roster stuff and about the status of the team now, things like that. And this seems like a good way to conclude that conversation. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. Bruce, where can the people find you? At Bruce Exclusive. And we thank you so much for joining us for this week's Nick and Nolan shows. We hope that you enjoyed it. And until next week, whenever we are back in your feeds with more content. Actually, next week you're off, Bruce. I forgot about I am that. off next week. Yes, that's right. You're on your own next week. I am taking a much needed break from this after everything that we did with the draft. I am going to take the week off and enjoy listening to other things. I'm not a huge podcast listener. People are sometimes shocked to hear that, but I, I have a lot of podcasts in my feed, but I don't listen to even close to every episode of every single one of them. I just, I, I don't have the amount of audio uh, bandwidth available in my head <laughs> to yeah. be able to do that. That's a good way to say it. Well, I do know that at least for one episode next week, a friend of the pod that we have been on his show, Mr. Pat Moran, is going to be coming on to the Nick and Nolan Airwaves. So you can stay tuned and you'll be able to, to pal around with me and Pat next week. And speaking of Pat, it's funny. Um, so I sent him a message 
that was, hey, you know, Bruce is going to be taking the week off. You want to come on the Nick and Nolan show? And he said, oh, yeah, I'd be okay doing that. And he actually, I don't know why, but instead of responding by text, he was sending me like the audio files. Like you could record on his phone real quick and say, oh, yeah, that sounds good, whatever. And then I think it was on accident. But the the last audio message that I received from Pat during this conversation was actually this. I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a do the cha-cha. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com starts.